Mansfield 103.2, the home of great music. Good evening, I'm Matt Freeman, in for Tony Delahunty this week, and this is our regular look at the local cricket scene, Team Talk. Good evening, and good evening to our panel as well. We have James Brandon with us, and our regular contributor, Peter Johnson, as well. Evening. Evening. Good evening. I suppose we've got to start tonight, Peter, with mentioning the tragic news over the past few days about the dad of Paul Franks, Johnny Franks. Yeah, sadly, Johnny passed away a week last Saturday and uh, it, it was terrible because Paul obviously was out in the United Arab Emirates where he's coaching and uh, he'd only just gone out there and to hear that your dad has passed away. But Johnny was one of the great characters of uh, uh, North Nottinghamshire cricket. He played for Farnsville for years. He was a left arm bowler, used to bring the ball into the right-hand batsman and he had the most beautiful cover drive, used to bat in the middle order and very good through mid-wicket area. Great cricketer and following cricket he became a groundsman and he actually took ill cutting the wicket at Radcliffe-on-Trent Cricket Club a week last Saturday and um, a, a tragic loss for Nottinghamshire cricket, a tragic loss for the Franks family obviously and uh, uh, sadly they had to, uh, his funeral was yesterday and uh, he'll be greatly missed in the local cricket scene. Very sad news indeed. Our, Our thoughts with the Franks family and everyone connected to them at this time as well. Let's take a look back to last week's action then in the Premier League. Another weekend where Cookney really showed their mettle and they're starting to take a little bit of a grip on the top of the title race really. A win by five wickets over the Knotts Academy this week, Peter. Yeah, they had a, a very good win uh, because obviously earlier in the season they got thrashed by the Academy at Lady Bay. So they were very nervous going into that match, but th- they won it to Tecanter really. 165 all out the Academy, although... The Cookney players did feel they should have got them out for a lot less, so the fielding wasn't up to it on the day. But then they strolled to victory, uh, Luke Thomas taking them there with 56 as they got home at 169 for five to cement their place at the top of the table. I think it's fair to say going into the season, most people's favourites were Plumtree, but James E surprised by the fact that Cookney have really taken the league, haven't they, in the past couple of weeks? They have, yeah, but you can't be surprised by what Cookney do. They've won the title two out of the last three years and, and anything that they do is, is comes to no surprise to them uh, as well as everybody watching them. And, and was, as we said to Trent Lawford last week, they're still not playing at the best. So 18 points clear with, what, seven or odd games to go, then they've got to be right up there with the, with the biggest chance. And it seems over the past couple of weeks as well, when Trent Lawford performs, Cookney really do perform, don't they? Well, he's one of them enigmatic players, isn't he, where if he comes off, then the team will back him up with wickets and runs. But uh, he, he wasn't at his best uh, the past weekend, but uh, weekends before that, he's definitely put them up back to the top. I still feel that they are vulnerable at four to seven and they can be bowled out in their areas cheaply. And that's why when I saw the Cavaliers on Saturday, I was very impressed by their all-round team strength. And they're closing in now. What is it, about 18 points behind? And the Cavaliers are going to be a real, real threat to them. Yeah, the Cavs had an indifferent period earlier in the season, didn't they? But you, as you say, were at the game on Saturdays. They beat Kimberley by seven wickets. Do you think they have a realistic chance now of challenging Cookney for that I top think, spot? I, I think they've got a massive chance. And in a couple of weeks, they do go to Langwith Road. And that is going to be a, a huge say in where, where this title is going to go. I do see them and Plumtree as being the challengers. After what happened on Saturday at Kimberley, 
Kimberley are now out of it. They're 47 points adrift, and you don't pull that back in the last six, seven matches of the season. On Saturday, they bowl them out for 159, and the Cavaliers stroll to victory at 160 for three. They were very impressive, not only with bat and ball, but it was the best fielding performance I've seen from a Cavaliers side for many a year. Speaking of Kimberley, I know you were talking in your post-match interviews about the wheels falling off their season a little bit, which uh, some of the Kimberley guys didn't seem too keen on as an appraisal. But do you think that's what's happened to their season? Oh, it it has. They've lost their last four completed games. And usually to win a Premier League title, you can only afford to lose three games. They've lost the last four. And on Saturday, they didn't look a very good side. They look downhearted. They look dispirited. They've got a couple of injuries. Everything's gone wrong wrong with the pros this season they've had one pro injured Jimmy Neesham came in only allowed to play one game so and the other pro it, it isn't isn't doing it for them and so generally it's been a, a bit of a downturn particularly over the last month Kimberley are now out of it Let's move our attention a little further down the table then. And James, was it a completed game at the Fieldings this weekend? It was, imagine that. A completed game and another good result for the Millers. They've, they've really taken a turn in form and really moved up the table, now sitting behind the top four of uh, Cookney, Cavaliers, Plumtree and uh, Kimberley and are really showing why they perhaps are one of the uh, better sides in the division. And it was a tale of two mats, wasn't it, as well? New and Wright doing the business on Saturday. With both bat and ball, yeah. Matt New uh, was due some runs, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying. He got 68 uh, opening the batting. He'd, he'd been up and down 3, 4, 5, 6, and then came back up to open with Kamal Manek, who uh, has batted at the top all season. And they put on a partnership of uh, over 100 for the first wicket, and then Matt Wright came out with the ball and took two wickets in and over twice, which changed the game in, in two different occasions. What do you think Hodry Mill's ambitions are now for this season? Well, I spoke to Matt New after the game and I said, does that make you safe from relegation? Because looking at it, there's still, what, 33 points away from the drop, which is not out of the question. But he said, we're only looking up now. And, and, and as you would be in the form that they're in, they're playing some great cricket. And, and why not go and challenge the fourth and third position? Hosier and Mills aren't a bad side. I've been saying this all year when they were at the bottom of the league because of all the matches they had rained off. But I actually rate them. They've got some very, very good players. And I, I think that next year, not only will they be looking to consolidate further, I think they could be getting up into the top three or four. I think they're that good. Not sure at the minute whether that is still the case for Welbeck. A good result a couple of weeks ago has taken them away from danger a little, but it was a losing draw at the weekend, Peter. They were away from home, weren't they? I've been going on about their home form as opposed to their away form. Their home form is very, very good. They go away from home and they really struggle. And again, on Saturday, Radcliffe, 236 for seven. Graham White, 82 there. Welbeck, 203 for eight. Worst part of a losing draw. They were saved by Richard Stroh's excellent 96. But Welbeck are not doing it away from the John Fretwell Centre. Why do you think that is? What's the difference with them? Can't understand it. it um, I mean, the, it's the same players who are going out there and uh, they, they just have a way of playing on their own ground. Perhaps the ball comes through a little bit quicker. It's now a county ground, let's remember that. And perhaps the ball comes through and they've got used to the pace of that ball. They go away where the ball stops and they're going through with the shot 
bats like they would at the fretwell centre and this time the ball hasn't come onto the bat goes up in the air, they're out. And we'll be talking about uh, Welbeck hosting Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire at the weekend a little later on. Last couple of games from last weekend's Notts Premier League action. Hucknell beaten by Old Sul Bryden. They are off the bottom of the table at the minute, but potentially a disappointing result after uh, there were plenty of runs scored in the game, James. Well, that's it. That's been the season with the story with Hucknell all season. They're a batting side and they've not got many people that can take wickets. Josh Downey uh, got a half century at the top of the order and Dale Campbell, although he didn't uh, make a score this weekend, has, has chipped in with a lot of runs. But then to not defend 257, it really shows the lack of bowling that they've got in that side. And finally, Peter, Clifton remaining rooted to the bottom of the table. You were tipping Plumtree to be amongst those challenges still. But do you think Clifton are looking likely to stay bottom now? Clifton have still have got one or two players, but I think they've got so many problems within the club at the moment that it's detracting them from what happens on the cricket field. On Saturday, they scored 200 runs. Scott McNeil got a good 60 there. So they have some quality players, but they're losing week in and week out. Plumtree went to victory easily at 203.5. Plumtree are still in it in third spot. They're not that far off the top. And if they can get their acts together... They could come back. Having said that, they have lost Glenn Reid, the opening bowler, who for some reason has packed up mid-season, and Tetley, the Yorkshire wicketkeeper, has decided that it's not happening for him this season, and he's packed up. So Plumtree have also got a chance, but there's something not right about Plumtree. James, your thoughts on Plumtree's potential title challenge? Well, I saw them two weeks ago against Mansfield Hosier Mills, and they didn't look great with the bat. Matt Milnes took seven wickets with the with the ball, so he he could do that again, maybe two or three times this season. And Bobby Gamble w- was good with the ball as well, but nobody really put up a, a chance with the bat. Although Hassan Azad obviously scores runs for fun, but they are they are still just about in it. I think one more negative result, and then they will be out of it. In direct contrast to Welbeck, Plumtree can't play at home. They've lost their last four matches at home, and yet away from home, they're almost unbeatable. Very strange. So let's move now from last week's action to look ahead to tomorrow and a big derby tomorrow as Cookney travel to Wellback and as we were saying the league leaders will be looking to tighten their grip at the top of the pile by beating their rivals this weekend. We'll be hearing from Cookney's Luke Wood after this. This is the home of great music, Mansfield 103.2, and this is Team Talk. So tomorrow in the Knox Premier League, it is the big derby as Cookney travel to Welbeck with the league leaders 18 points clear and looking to stretch that gap by beating their local rivals. Cookney's Luke Wood has been speaking to Mansfield 103.2's Joshua Marsh. Local derby is always good, so um, hopefully it'll bring out the best in both teams. Yeah, they've got some got some good players, but I'd still back our side on any one day to probably beat theirs. I think we've got a good result against them here last early in the year, so hopefully we can um, build on that and keep the top of the table. There must be a lot of confidence in the camp. You've put together quite a, a bit of a winning streak now, and you must be thinking, you know, the, the brass ring at the end of the season, that Notts Premier League Championships within your grasp now. Yeah, I think there's what, six, five, six games left, so if we can pull a few wins together then hopefully it's it should be should be ours really but obviously you can't say that too early otherwise you'll pull a curse also but no no I mean I mean I think with the players we've got we should should be uh, looking for that title yeah and because it's local derby are there going to be any particular special preparations going into that Welbeck game probably just I don't know train hard all the lads I know all the lads train hard anyway so um 
yeah, I think just do what we normally do, play the cricket we've been playing and hopefully we should come out on top. Now I just want to take you back to when you played Welbeck earlier on in the yeah. season. A very interesting game, a rain-affected game, but you ended up managing to skittle them out. I think your bowlers, Will Butler and Trent Lawford, really showed up on yeah. that day. Do you think it could be a similar sort of version of events this time round? Well, hopefully the rain stays away so it's not rain-affected, but I think we've got definitely got the bowling attack to skittle most teams out. So, And then if you come straight to the with the bat, then we're a pretty good team. So. On any day, we should should be able to beat the opposition. Yeah. So, uh, you're still going to be top by the end of next Saturday. Well, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we can remain top for the rest of the season. That's the that's the aim. That's Cookney's Luke Wood speaking to Mansfield 103.2's Joshua Marsh ahead of tomorrow's local derby with Welbeck. And we'll be looking ahead to that a little later on in the show. First, last Sunday there was a taste of county rivalry at Welbeck as Nottinghamshire took on Derbyshire at Welbeck's John Fretwell Centre. What's becoming the annual fixture for Notts, the Welbeck weekend up at the Fretwell Centre? Peter Johnson was there for us. Uh, Peter, how did the atmosphere compare to last year? It was even better. Last year for the Warwickshire game there was 3,000 people this time 4,650 that's a massive attendance and it didn't look full you could have got 8,000 round the ground and the atmosphere was tremendous not only was it a great game of cricket because not scored 340 Derbyshire replied with 275 but there was a lot of Derbyshire people there Great fun. The Knots players were a credit to themselves. They got engaged with the children prior to the start of the match. I was there at 9.30, an hour and a half before the start, and there was 500 people on the ground at that moment, and it was full of kids playing cricket on the outfield. The hospitality, the catering was absolutely wonderful. I cannot fault what went on there. And all congratulations to John Fretwell for what he and his team achieved. And I hope that next season we see another match there because this should be, as you said, a regular feature of the cricketing calendar in Nottinghamshire. Do you think it helped that this year's fixture was against Derbyshire as well? Yeah, it probably put a thousand on the attendance, but there's there's just a joyous feeling about the day. And I think people who came last year were there again. They've spread the message and even more came. I've no doubt that if they came next year, even if it wasn't Derbyshire, there'd be 4,000 on the ground. And what do you think it is that's special about an outground, really, watching county cricket in that sort of setting? You're so close to the players that they're literally standing on the boundary about two feet away from you. And you give, you, they're actually talking to you as they're fielding and engaging with the children. And then, as I say, at the, t- at the lunch interval, the Knots players actually came out and they were signing autographs. You get so close to... Your, the players and these players are the heroes of the children and you get so close to them that it makes it so intimate it's so special Got to keep your eye on the ball as well, I suppose, if you sat on the sidelines. Yeah, there was one memorable moment where a, a, a gentleman who had a cigarette and a pint of ale in one hand and the ball was flashed towards him six yards over the boundary and he stooped low to take a one-handed catch off the ground. Amazing. Didn't spill a bit of his drink and kept his fag going. Great. <laughs> Ian Botham would have been proud of that. I'm oh, sure. anybody would have been proud of that catch. <laughs> now, looking at on-the-field matters, uh, James, a big one for Ricky Vessels, wasn't it? Again, yeah, he's, they've had a good season with white ball cricket of Nottinghamshire, and uh, 114 off a lot less than 114 <laughs> deliveries was, was something that uh, he must have been very pleased with. But that's the thing again, isn't it? With the outgrounds, it's perhaps a little bit smaller than it is at Trent Bridge. So, uh, so you're going to see scores like that uh, crop up uh, every now and again. 
again. And, and even Jake Ball got in with a six as well. So all, all, all to be pleased about. Vessels is uh, qualified for England now as well, isn't he, I think? He got his nationality, British nationality, in the in the last couple of weeks, hasn't he? So yeah, I suppose he is. Yeah, he's um, a, an outstanding one-day cricketer. Him and Lummy have been getting runs for fun at the beginning of the order, although Lummy failed on 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 last Sunday. But if you look at what he does in county cricket, he's always scoring forty, fifty, and yeah, great asset. And what did you think of Derbyshire's performance on the day as well? They ran them fairly close in the end. They did, but what I was surprised was that Billy Godman wasn't selected for him. Of course, we know him here because he's been in this studio. Um, and uh, th- I, I saw him and I, I said, why aren't you playing? He said, I just didn't get my pick. Played yesterday and how many did he score? He was 71 not out last time 91. I heard. 91. 91 he made. Derbyshire yeah. did fall short in the end of, of Lancashire's score and it, it was perhaps... An awful shot, probably the only bad shot that he played that got him out. Came down the track to Stephen Parry, of course played for England a few times, completely missed it and then was, was clean ball. But 91, top scored it and uh, kept Derbyshire with the shout. Well, I, I think that could have been a, a major mistake by Derbyshire by leaving Godelman out because uh, they didn't do so well at the start of the innings. They came on quite strongly at the end, but if Billy Godelman had been there from the very beginning, it might have made the difference. Now, as you say, Godelman wasn't in the side, but he was in the stands. He's a former Welbeck man and now captains Derbyshire, and he was there at the Fretwell Centre and said it was nice to make a return. Obviously played a season here with uh, with Bawley and his brother and, and the guys at Welbeck and um, it's a fantastic club, um, wonderful uh, facility here uh, and ground and most importantly uh, really nice people. Yeah. And quite amazing to look out on this ground at the moment and see, I think the attendance 4,650. Really? Wow, yeah. yes, that's, a, that's a great show out, it really is. And quite a few supporters here from Derbyshire have been having some banter in the crowd with a few people who've been enjoying a drink. <laughs> They're always quite lively, our, um, our Derby fans. Um, but no, we, we're very appreciative of their, uh, their efforts to come across and, um, uh, and add to this wonderful crowd. And it's been a, been a really excellent day and a, a fine batting track. Yeah, it looks like it's been... Uh, uh, once you got in, it looked like it took a little bit of time for... Even the guys that have made substantial scores to uh, to get themselves in, but once you've got the um, the pace of the wicket, um, the outfield is uh, uh, is lightning quick. That's Derbyshire captain Billy Godelman, former Welbeck man, talking after he returned to watch Derbyshire playing knots at Welbeck last weekend. So Derbyshire's season this year, it doesn't look too bad in white ball cricket, but certainly in the county game, James, it's been another disappointing one, really. Yes, another one again, although uh, D- Division 1 uh, was where Derbyshire were playing a couple of seasons ago, and they've, they've come back down straight away and, and not really challenged back up at the top again, although they have had a few, they started off with, with five draws out of five, I think. They score plenty of runs, but it's the, the taking of the wickets that... Uh, is really proving a problem. As we've uh, spoke about, Billy Godelman has had a decent season, as Wayne Madsen always has a good season now. He's uh, past 25 uh, first-class centuries. And uh, Chesney Hughes at the top of the order as well. He's uh, chipped in with a couple of centuries as well. But one thing that Derbyshire will be happy with from white ball cricket and, and bringing through bowlers is Matt Critchley, a leg spinner, who's uh, done really well. I think he's only 19 years old. So uh, bringing a young leg spinner through at any stage is, is obviously good news for any any side. Have there been changes in the backroom at Derbyshire as well? And do you think that's impacted on this season? Most definitely. Graham Welch 
played for Derbyshire for for a number of years and, and was the performance director at the start of the season. Then then for whatever reason stepped down. Then John Sadler stepped up to to be performance director in the last week or so. Dominic Cork has come in, who's revered around Derby. Everybody loves him. Uh, for, for what he's done in an advisory role, whatever that means. I don't know, but I'm sure he'll, he'll have some impact. I'm, I'm sure if things go right, he'll take the praise, but maybe he doesn't have to take the blame, something like Possibly, that. Possibly, probably. Now, you say they opened the season with five draws. I suppose, Peter, much as we've seen in the Notts Premier League, weather-affected matches have really changed the shape of the cricket season across the whole summer, haven't they? Oh, yes, and even in the, the four-day game county championship, if you four-day game is reduced to two days, you're going to get a lot of draws. There isn't time to bowl sides out, to, which you have to do twice to, to win a county championship match. Hence, a lot of draws, and that's why the leagues have compacted. So it was defeat for Derbyshire at the weekend at Welbeck, and one man who was keeping the crowd of almost 5,000 up to date with the score was Nottinghamshire's long-serving scorer, Roger Marshall. He spoke to Mansfield 103.2's Peter Johnson and explained how he first got into scoring. When I used to go down to watch matches at Trentbridge, I always took a scorebook with me and I always scored. That, I found, helped me concentrate on the match. And it was, I'd had a particularly busy period at work and my wife said to me, well, you, want, you need something to take your mind off, off work. And she saw this scorer's course run by the old ACUS. And she said, go on that, for, make a change for you to get away from work. And uh, I did, and I passed the exam, and as soon as I did, Gordon Swingfellow said, oh, you can help me out now, Roger. And he says, it's, uh, can you do me two second 11 games that particular season, which I think was 1998. My wife regrets, I think, now that <laughs> encouraged me to, to do that. But the interesting thing about the first match was it was at uh, Worksop College against Northampton Seconds, and a certain Graham Swan made his debut for Northampton Second Eleven. And following on from that, his last match was in the Yorkshire Cup final at Lords in, what was it, 2014. So I scored his first match and his last match. I told Graham, I scored you on your first match, you know, and he gave me, he gave me his bowling figures, just like that from his... <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Were you inspired by the likes of Les Tomlinson, Len Beaumont? Well, Len, yeah, Len Beaumont was the first one who really got me uh, interested. I, I used to ask him when he... Because he was vice-chairman of our sports and social club and he used to sign the cheques, went across, you know, he used to... He scoring for the for the Notch Colts then and I asked him uh, bits about scoring he used to bring me in sheets and that sort of thing to show me the method that they used at that time that was before the days of computers of course and Len went on to be the first team scorer at Notts but then when computers came along Len said well that's enough fun and handed over to Gordon I think and after a number of years you actually became the first team scorer as you still are today uh, scoring at Welbeck did you find the move from the book to the computer Difficult? Not really, no, because uh, that's thanks to Gordon Swingfellow, really, because I used to sit in the next room to him while I was learning the linear method. I occasionally had to go on the computer when it was it went direct to the Press Association. I think I did an hour or so um, using Brian Hunt, the Durham scorer's computer, one day at Trent Bridge. So I got used to the to computers quite easily, really. Because at least we were born in the age of, you know, we at work we were using computers, weren't we? So we got some, you know, used to using them. And now you drive up and down the country scoring for knots. Do, do you have much interface with the players during the uh, course of a match? I'll put you right, I don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky that the uh, one of the coaches, usually Wayne Noon, 
as my chauffeur, as it were. And yes, you, had a, you get more, more interaction with the players probably away than you do in home matches because obviously you're staying in the same hotel and you, you meet up for a drink or what have you during the, during the four days you're away. So yes, you, you do get interaction and you do get to share the highs and lows. That was Nottinghamshire scorer Roger Marshall with Mansfield 1 of 3.2's Peter Johnson at last weekend's Nottinghamshire Derbyshire game up at the John Fretwell Centre. On the way, on this evening's Team Talk, we'll be looking ahead to tomorrow's fixtures, including that big local derby between Welbeck and Cookney, and we'll be looking through the Bassett Law Leagues as well. That's on the way after the break. Mansfield 103.2, this is the home of great music, and this is Team Talk with me, Matt Freeman, in for Tony Delahunty this week. So a couple of minutes ago we heard from the Nottinghamshire scorer Roger Marshall, and it just shows the important role that non-playing staff have in the game of cricket, including umpires as well, Peter Johnson. Yes, I was at the Kimberley Cavs game last weekend, and there was Mick Brooks, who I believe to be the unluckiest umpire in Nottinghamshire cricket. He was telling me that earlier in the season, when he was at Kimberley the ball flipped up off the edge of the square off the mat and hit him straight in the face dislodging several teeth absolute fortune running into a couple of grand to put his teeth correct so only partly insured as well and then he explained to me what had happened last Saturday when he went to Odsall Bryden versus Cookney he always parks his car a long way away to avoid it being damaged at the All Hallows ground, but last Saturday he forgot about Trent Lawford's big hitting and Lawford malleted a huge six down the ground right onto the top of Mick Brooks' car. Another £500 <laughs> worth of damage. I wouldn't part within half a mile if I knew Trent Lawford was going to come to the crease in a train down, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this just shows really, doesn't it, James? There was an international game recently where an umpire wore some protective gear, I think. It's more dangerous than you think for the men in the middle. Yeah, I think it was in the one of the England Test matches, wasn't it? It was, looked like some kind of... I don't, I don't really know. I'm, I'm just gesturing to myself at the moment what it looked like. But it was just kind of like a, a shield, really. And it's just... Obviously, the ball's careering at over 100 miles an hour when it comes off the bat. So it's, it's dangerous for anybody to get in the way. They have actually been discussing it amongst the Premier League umpires and uh, as to whether they ought to bring it in. But the two I sat with um, a couple of weeks ago, Paul Chambers and Trevor O'Reilly, were actually against it. They, ju- they just didn't feel that it was necessary. Let's start taking a look ahead to tomorrow's fixtures then. We'll look at the Notts Premier League soon. But first, let's take a check on the Bassett Law Leagues. And Chris Revel has been talking to Mansfield 1 of 3.2's Joshua Marsh. Chris, uh, another very eventful week in the Bassett Law Championship, but another successful one for Farnsfield. Yeah, and a real statement of intent, Josh, in the sense that, you know, we, we viewed that as a, as a tricky fixture against Thorsby Colliery. And uh, it was far from it. It was a, an emphatic win of over a 150-run victory uh, by the league leaders and 20 points on the board and another crucial step towards Farnsfield returning to the Premier League. And it's the two Mitchells as well, Curtis and Martin Mitchell, doing the business for them. Curtis Mitchell, 110, and Martin Mitchell with 52. Yeah, good players, uh, good squad, uh, Farnsfield. You know, really good squad for uh, the championship level and, you know, filled with players of uh, broad premiership experience um, and uh, you know they're, they're beginning to show their quality as the season 
gets into its final third. And we were going to um, say, you know, it was a very close game, wasn't it? Going into it, we thought it'd be a very, very tense one. The game of the day, if you like. So to see it so one-sided, did that surprise you? It did a little bit, because uh, I know that the Thorsby lads, you know, have had a bit of a run and, and got themselves up there. Um, but as I said, uh, you know, Farnsfield now beginning to show their quality. And if we look back to two years ago, when they uh, gained promotion back into the Premier League. This is exactly what happened then. They went on a fantastic run uh, in, in this time of the year, uh, late July into August and September, which saw them uh, comfortably over the line. That could happen again, uh, but there are teams out there doing their utmost to try and stay in contention and, and perhaps even pit them as the season progresses. And one of those sides is Clipston, who managed to just get over the line against Worksop. Yeah, I had a very quick chat to their captain, uh, Lee Wilson, uh, on Sunday up at uh, Welbeck when Knotts were playing uh, Derbyshire up there in that one-day game. Um, he said, he was honest to say, um, I almost had egg in my face. They declared, of course, um, that leaving Worksop, uh, sorry, leaving Worksop somewhere around 230 to get. And lo and behold, Worksop were just about seven runs short uh, in their 55 overs and almost got over the line. And that would have been, uh, as, as uh, Wilson quite rightly pointed out, that left him with a little bit of egg on his face. But uh, fair play to Worksop for, for giving it a go. And, you know, is that the spark that Worksop need to, to string together a few results? Who knows? And, and one other team that's still up there, Chris, uh, in the mix, just 10 points behind Clipston, is Papelwick and Limby. They managed to keep up a, a sort of, just about keep up the good form with a winning draw over Anston. Yeah, and, and while ever they're in the mix, they're going to still have a chance. I had a chat uh, last evening, actually, with... Uh, Michael Blatherwick, the director of cricket at, uh, at Papawick and Limby, and he says it's going to be tough because he feels that Farnsfield are in the box seat, uh, and consequently, uh, you know, they're looking for someone to do uh, them a favour by uh, knocking over Farnsfield, and he knows that won't be easy. Uh, but while ever they're in the mix, they'll be giving it everything to try and uh, stay in contention and take it to the final games of the season. And the final team sort of up there, just still creeping about, is a, a team that we're predicting to be the Dark Horses, and it's Retford. They had a pretty comfortable win over Whitwell. Yeah, uh, we, we all, we've all said uh, consistently, Josh, that probably Retford will take some beating over the course of the last third of the season. But, of course, they have that 38-point deficit to make up on Farnsville. In fact, I think that's stretched to 40 because whereas Farnsville got 20 points their, their uh, pursuers only managed 18 and whilst that's not too significant two points is two points and that stretched their advantage uh, Farnsfield's advantage over the rest of the pack We're looking at the table in general now Farnsfield obviously they, they are now 14 points clear of second place Clipston uh, do you think that that's kind of all said and done now and Farnsfield are going to take the league? No I wouldn't say that uh, Josh I wouldn't say it's all said and done you know there's still uh, seven games to play and um, you know seven games is a lot uh, there's a lot of points 140 points to play for so far from all said and done but um, you know they've got a significant advantage you've got to remember as well that I don't think Clipston can go up to the Premier League as it stands so uh, in terms of being able to go into the Premier League they're not even in the mix so um, you know I think the team the teams that Farnsfield spe specifically have to come above are um, Papawick and Limby and Retford respectively and another interesting point about Clipston of course is that next week uh, the football season starts doesn't it which might affect the sort of uh, quality they've got in that squad yeah they do suffer with football because they've got people who are involved in, in football um, at a reasonable level and you know 
Lee Wilson is a, is a scout for a professional football club, for example, uh, who will send him far and wide across the country looking for talented new footballers. So, um, you know, that's bound to have an impact on Clipston's uh, chances over the, you know, the, the end of the season. Looking ahead then to this coming week's fixtures, uh, there's a few local derbies in there. Uh, Ed, Edwin Stowe-Clipston, a bit of a local edge to that one. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Edwin Stowe got off to such a good start, didn't they? And then uh, sort of drifted back into the pack, and in fact, towards the, the rear of the table. I think if Clipston are still at full strength, uh, taking, taking the point about uh, football commitments, then they should, uh, they should beat their local rivals. And just a quick one while we're at it on Edwin Stowe. Of course, they were in a real relegation battle last season. So do you think they'll still be pretty content with where they are in the league this time round? Yeah, I mean, Edwin Stowe historically have uh, sort of drifted in between Division 1 and the Championship. Um, so to be, uh, you know, achieve a couple of seasons in, um, in, in, in the... Uh, achieve a couple of seasons in the Championship and get some um, uh, sort of sustainable uh, effort within that environment is not a benefit from Edwin Stowe. The table toppers this week go to Worksop Farnsfield. Uh, do you think that'll be a pretty simple win for the home side there? Well, on paper you'd, you'd say so, but Worksop made a good effort, didn't they, uh, against Clipston? A really good effort. But uh, I'm sure Farnsfield will be too strong for Worksop. Farnsfield will be looking to continue their momentum towards the Premier League. And Glapwell have uh, got Thorsby at home this time round. Do you think Thorsby are going to bounce back? Glapwell are playing well, aren't they? An eight-wicket win uh, last weekend. So, uh, you know, I, I think that'll be a match that's too close to call, to be honest. So, you know, interesting. And now a game where there's certainly no love lost going into this weekend. Papelwick and Limby against Notts and Arnold. Two sides uh, pretty much uh, alongside each other. Um, in terms of distance between the two sides. Uh, once again, I think Papawick will have too much for the local rivals there. Retford, North Wheatley with Leverton, just to top off the uh, vast amount of local derbies we seem to have this weekend. Yeah, it seems to be a thing that the Basketball League do stick some local derbies on to, to add a bit of spice. Um, North Wheatley would love to put one over their uh, local rivals there. That, that would be something that would be really, uh, they a match they'd be really up for. Uh, but once again, with Retford's quality, uh, you know, I think uh, once again that one will go to the side nearer the top of the table. And finally, to round off the fixtures, Whitwell against Anston. Uh, it's a team that's really rooted in mid-table there against a team that's surely doomed to relegation now. Yeah, they are, and and you know we've said it before, Josh Whitwell deserve an enormous amount of credit for what they achieved last season. Uh, I just hope for Whitwell's sake that their experience in the Premier League has not set them back a bit. I've seen that in the past with clubs. Um, in the Premier League have been really, really set back. Uh, sorry, in the Championship, let me get it right. And in the Premier League, for that matter, when they've had a one-season um, uh, situation and it's not, it's not done the club any good, that season of getting beat every week can be really, really disconcerting and really knock your club back. So let's hope that's not the case for Whitwell. That was Mansfield 1-3.2's Bassett Law correspondent, Chris Revel. Now away from the Bassett Law League tomorrow, big games in the South Knots League as well. As, as the season gets towards its conclusion, we're starting to see teams that are really striving for promotion. And Peter Johnson, really a big day tomorrow. Yeah, there's only four more matches to go in the South Knots League and uh, the only two sides that appear to want to come up at the moment, they're way ahead of the rest, are Attenborough and Collingham. And this weekend... Attenborough travel to Collingham and I believe that this match will decide who is going to come back to join us in the Premier League next season. 
Could be a very big weekend in the South Knots League. Surely it's going to be another big weekend in the Knots Premier League as well. And we'll be looking ahead to tomorrow's action in just a couple of minutes' time. Mansfield won a 3.2. This is Team Talk and in a couple of minutes time we'll be taking a look ahead to tomorrow's action in the Knotts Premier League. Looking a little further down the age groups though, it's looking like it's been a very successful time for Thorsby Collieries under 13. Some very promising results recently for them. Peter Johnson, the future bright for cricket in Thorsby? It seems so from what we're hearing there but, but this is very much needed. It's something that ECB are exceedingly concerned about, that we're not getting enough youngsters through into the game and uh, it's a, a subject that the Notts Premier League uh, chairman went down to Lords for the annual meeting with the ECB last week and he was saying that the big theme we have to get youngsters into cricket and that is what the Thorsby initiative's about and they're appearing to be successful from what we've heard. And the Notts Premier League officials will be heading over to Trent Bridge as well on Monday. There's a Trent Bridge, there's a game between Notts and Worcestershire this coming Monday. And uh, the Premier League getting together as well. What's the what's the thinking behind that? Well, there's a close bond between the Premier League and the Notts County Cricket Club. And the Notts County Cricket Club have offered them a box at the, uh, at the, the ground for that match. And all the players in the Notts Premier League have been invited to that match as guests of the league. And all they're asking for is that... Each player gives up 10 minutes of his time to go in and discuss with the Premier League Management Committee the subject, how can we make things better for you? And that is a a great initiative that the Premier League Management Committee have done for this coming Monday. So they're hoping that as many people will travel down there. The match actually starts at two o'clock, but they've actually got the boardroom at Trent Bridge for to talk to the players and that's available from five o'clock but it's an invite from any player in the Notts Premier League to come down to Trent Bridge and join them for a, a day of what will be great cricket of 50 over cricket against the Worcestershire side yeah and with the form Notts have been in in white ball cricket it should be a very entertaining game as well let's take a quick look ahead to tomorrow's fixtures then starting from the bottom Clifton tomorrow facing a fairly tough challenge James Kimberley in fourth but they have been in reasonably poor form of late of course yeah definitely we spoke about that earlier in in the show but Kimberley, uh, you will take over Clifton. I think if we could cobble together 11 people, I think we'd give Clifton a run for the money this season, to be honest. But Kimberley, of, uh, playing away from home, so it's not going to help them there, but, but I think they'll have too much for Clifton. Peter, knots against Hucknall. Hucknall just prizing themselves away from the bottom of the table. It's been, it's been a good season for the academy, though, hasn't it? Yeah, they started off slowly. Um, and then in the middle of the season, they had a, a very good sequence of games. They were playing when other sides were not playing because of the rain. And But just over the last two weeks, they've slipped back. Um, Hucknall go there on Saturday, desperate for points. That was a very, very bad defeat for them last Saturday against Oddsall Bryden. David Wagstaff the previous week described it to me as a must-win game. They lost it and now they sit second from bottom of the league and it's not looking so bright for them after all. It is, of course, their first season in the league. So, James, how do you think they'll feel overall about it? Well, the the 20 points away from uh, safety at the moment, uh, just behind Welbeck, but they have played some good cricket. They've just not managed to... Uh, to take the wickets of the other sides and, and defend the big totals that they've got. As, as I said earlier, it's 
all about the lack of bowling in that side. You're so right there. I mean, they've got batsmen who can score runs. I mean, Jake Libby, if he's going to be playing, and let's hope he is for them this weekend. And they've got Robin Maxwell, who does it for them with a bat. Dale Campbell, who we've talked about. And Richard Gretrix, an unsung hero. He is the one player who has come through that Hucknall side and made the transition from being a good South Knots player into being a good Premier League player. And he scored 88 at the weekend. He's coming through. Hucknall beaten by Altsall Bryden last weekend, but they're facing a fairly difficult home tie this weekend. James, you saw Mansfield Hosier Mills last week, and they really are looking to push for the top of the table now. What do you think the outcome's going to be this weekend? I think you've got to go with Mansfield Hosier Mills on that one. They've really picked up the form in the last three, four, five weeks, and, and players are stepping up at different times. Joe New has stepped up, Tom New, Matt New, as, as we said earlier, Matt Wright, and Mark Smallwood, who's been perhaps a man who's lacked consistency over the last three or four years for the Millers, but he's got two back-to-back scores of, of, of 41 and, and 52 not out. But I think the pitch at All Hallows, as it suited Trent Lawford a couple of weeks, it will suit uh, Irosh Samarasuri, the Sri Lankan overseas man, because he can hit it perhaps a few yards shorter than Trent Lawford can, which is which is plenty enough to clear the boundary there. But I also would think there's a great deal of praise for those lads playing for Audsall at the moment. They lost four of their best cricketers, the Asian players who stopped travelling from the south of England. And But what has happened since they went away? They've shown a fighting spirit that they want to Audsall Bryden to be playing cricket in the Notts Premier League. And they're overachieving at the moment and good luck to them. I think it says a great deal for the spirit of that cricket club looking towards the top of the table third place plum tree will be looking for a result this weekend they're 25 points away from top spot now how do you see them faring against Kaythorpe, peter well they've lost their last four home matches which has been a, a, a feature of why their season's fallen apart but i, I do feel that on saturday uh, they have to come good at some time they are not a bad side as they're showing away from home i just think that it'll come good for them on saturday and they'll beat Kaythorpe. So Kaythorpe on Saturday against Mansfield Hosier Mills and, and other than the top three of Martin Dobson, Steve Orko and Matt Dowmer, they had nothing in terms of batting. Those top three all passed half centuries and the, the next highest score was I think about 16. So they're far too reliant on, on those top three, I think Kaythorpe are. The Cavs, they'll be looking to put pressure on the West Indian Cavaliers in second place at home to Radcliffe tomorrow, Peter. Thoughts ahead of that one? Yeah, the Cavs I see as the main challengers for Cookney this season and I think it's going to be go right to the wire the very last day of the season. And on Saturday, the Cavs have got Radcliffe. But the news is that I found out earlier today is that Dave Lucas is now back for uh, Radcliffe and with him and Ben Savage. They'll set a few questions for the Cavaliers batsmen, but the Cavaliers are playing really well at the moment and I think the Cavaliers will win that one. And last but by no means least, the big derby tomorrow. Welbeck in 10th going into the weekend, at home to the tabletop as Cookney. But is it that old cliche, James, about derbies and form books and, and windows? No. Cookney, I think, will we'll win this one uh, this time around. Welbeck have have not been excellent, as we spoke about earlier. They've only really had one player stepping up each week. Um, but, but Cookney have, have gone through and, and players have taken two wickets. Three of them have taken two and three have gone to 40. So they've got much more uh, consistency in their side and, and, and they're playing a much well-rounded game. And 
that's why they're sitting top of the league and Welbeck are sitting just outside the relegation zone. I think Cookney will win it, James, but I, I actually believe that Welbeck's home form will set a, a severe test for, for the Cookney players and therefore I don't think it's going to be the walkover that you might be thinking. They've had the Indian sign over Welbeck over the last few matches, but I think this week it could be a different challenge completely. Sure to be another interesting weekend in the Premier League. That's just about it for tonight's Team Talk. Thank you to Peter, thank you to James as well. And we'll be keeping you right up to date with all the action tomorrow afternoon. The Cricket Score Desk will be coming live from Welbeck versus Cookney from midday tomorrow and then I'll be back from four tomorrow. Loads of interviews and all the action as it happens in the run chase. That begins tomorrow afternoon from 4pm. Tonight's studio producer was Alex Dye and the programme was produced by Craig Priest. I'm Matt Freeman. Good night.